Uh, what I spent the day today doing for a part of it, um, when I wasn't doing my actual day job, I was spending like looking at the news because today, uh, at the time of the recording, the S and P five hundred officially entered a bear market territory, and yeah, it seems like time. the up yep, recession time, and it seems like part of it is linked to crypto. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm I'm gonna be honest here and say that um. So, like, the theme of this episode should be Aaron finally learns what crypto is, you know, because, like, I've avoided, like, like, not even avoided the news. You can't really avoid it. But I just I have a vague understanding of how it works the same way, um, you know, and I'm a communist. So I guess people are going to laugh at this. But the same way I have a vague understanding of how whatever you just said, Jorge, about, like, you know, stocks and inflation, I got a general idea, of course. But the crypto stuff is a, a little bit more esoteric to me. And I don't feel bad not knowing about it because I get very I get very defensive about something I don't know about because it just smells rotten. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean look, you you know you knew enough to make an, an immortal tweet, in my opinion, when you when you a few accounts ago when you said Kendall Kendall Roy voice, uh dad, <laughs> they, all all our apes are gone. Uh dad, all our apes are gone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everybody loves communism. My name is Jorge Rocha. Yeah. And I'm Aaron Thorpe. And we're joined by Edward Aguizo Jr., mm. a, edit- a writer at Vice. Motherboard. Yeah. Where I get to write every day about crypto. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Ed, there, there were a couple people, um, you know, because there are, like, fortunately, there are people on the left that, um, a few people that, uh, seem to understand crypto and their work is really kind of exploring into it and explaining what it is. I'm thinking of Jacob Silverman, um, mm. uh, another another good friend. And uh, I don't know, I guess we want to have you on, man, because you seem like the premier, you seem like the premier, premier what's the crypto whisperer? I don't even know. I don't even know how to say it, but you explain things. When I look at your t- tweets on the timeline, you explain things in a way that um, is is easily accessible for a dumbass like me. Because I'm going to be asking you some base gas questions. Because, again, this is the episode where Aaron finally learns what crypto is. So thank yeah, you for joining us. Yeah, and also, it, like, you know, you're, you're clearly also, in terms of your writing, also scare the, the tech elite to the point where, like, what, what is it that the founder of Solon called you? That you were, like, a terrorist <laughs> attacking an innocent family? Yeah, he wrote, well, yeah, that was, that was, he wrote this batshit blog where he, uh, said that the New York Times rigs elections and that Hell yeah. the state of Delaware has never existed and Hell yeah. <laughs> it existed. And when I asked him basic questions about that, he just started calling me a terrorist. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, to be fair, Delaware isn't Delaware like a fucking haven for like credit card companies or something. So like, yeah, you know, he was he was on to something. It was just kind of, it was like you never heard (laughs) (laughs) like to him delaware just it's not like he looks at it on a map and it's just like a it's like a hazy you know what i'm saying it's like a hazy image like he doesn't even actually register yeah exactly that was maryland (laughs) (laughs) delaware was just a glitch in the matrix no i'm not wrong it's just uh, the universe is incorrect yeah exactly he gets maps altered specifically to like not include delaware 
I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna email him and ask him how he's doing because he apologized to me, <laughs> but I never responded. He was like, "I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said those things. It was rash. I was just angry. I get defensive. I never responded. I should have. I should just be like, hey, just want to check in. Um, can I see any maps you have in your house? <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> oh shit. Uh, so Jorge, where do we, where do we even start, man? Because uh, when we were gonna record this, I think last week. There was there were there was news of the uh, rumblings of a crypto crash. Not even rumblings, like people were. It was happening. Yeah, it was happening. And then today again, like, today was even bigger. Like the yeah. ultimate crypto crash happened. So yeah. it happened to have been today when we recorded. So exactly. You know, to our, to our listeners and also for the sake of Aaron, could you give us a little bit of the lay of the land in terms of crypto, Ed? You want to lay the land in terms of what crypto is or what's going on in crypto? Life? So a little bit about crypto, a little bit, is, but also yeah, what, a little like, bit of know, both. How did it happen? Uh, like explain like I'm five. Explain so, like I'm Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I I think one way, a good way to think about crypto is that it started initially as this idea, which is that it is hard for you to send and turn paper money into something that people far away from you can receive, right? If I wanted to give my relatives in Nairobi money, uh, my options are relatively limited and they revolve around sending it through the bank and a wire transfer, sending it through Western Union, um, sending it through a service like PayPal maybe. Um, So the idea is here that we, you know, crypto, when it was first offered and created, would be this sort of quick way to do border, um, cross-border payment systems, right? Um, And then it eventually evolved and built up into other um, applications, product services, where it became, okay, what if we had um, this token that was generated by computers, expending resources, electricity, solving math problems. Um, they would, you know, help, like you would have a distributed network of computers that are all helping solve these problems, all helping secure this, um, all helping secure the network, um, for this, for this token or for this crypto asset. Um, and as a result are producing it or getting rewarded for their work work with part of it or with a token um and that this token and all transactions related to it and all, and all things that are done with it can be more or less tracked on a public ledger that we can all look at so this is the blockchain that you're describing yeah. right okay mm-hmm. blockchain li- literally just referring to like blocks of mm-hmm. you know of periods of history inside the transaction history of this thing right um and then the the computer interactions that were needed to verify that the transactions were real and to ensure that the network is like not being compromised. So I guess this like to zoom out from all that, those technical stuff, it's like it, it was, it's born out of an attempt to say we should have faster transmission of money, but also that then it became about and came under the influence of libertarian and right-wing elements who said we should have private political money, or we should have money that is, you know, has the viability, has the, has the trust of money in of itself, has the value of money, can be a store of value, but it is not controlled by traditional centralized entities like a state, like a central bank, like a traditional financial system, and instead is somehow decentralized 
or has, is part of a financial system where we you do not have to rely on these intermediaries as much, right? So, Ed, so that's where you... Can I ask yeah. a quick question about that, mm -hmm. about sort of the adoption of libertarians and right-wingers? Mm -hmm. um, I remember reading a, a couple articles about, this was actually popular um, among, not just like, you know, I mean, libertarians are pretty right-wing, but I'm talking about like the alt-right, like white supremacists, white nationalists, and, you know, neo-Nazis, because um, it's, it's you know, the, obviously you said the decentralized sort of, as opposed to traditional banking system, but also like a lot of their reasonings were rooted in anti-Semitism. Right. Like it's rooted in this idea that I mean, everybody knows the anti-Semitic trope. I'm not going to say it, but it's like, you know, it's 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 I think that's one of the things that turned me off about it, because I was like, man, if these guys are into it and also using that money, because I guess it's less trackable, I guess, then like, I don't know if I'm saying that right or explaining that right. I guess it's it's e it's less easy to be tracked or I guess like um, surveilled, I guess, than um, crypto transactions. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, there, like, like, and like you're talking about here, there are a lot of reasons why people get pulled into this universe, right? Mm. Some of them are that they look at the current financial system that we have and they say that I don't trust banks, banks are corrupt, or banks destroyed the economy last time, why would I put my money with them? Mm. Or when I had a bank account, it fucking sucked. I had an account with Wells Fargo, I had an account with Bank of America, they stole my money, they're racist, all this bullshit, right? Um, they have weird fees. You know, these are things that people would see in a, in a traditional bank and say, maybe we should create an alternative financial system mm. where this is not involved, right? Although I should add like this, this, this attempt to build a separate financial system is a relatively recent one in crypto, but has been an idea that's been present and kind of shaped the development of it for a while, right? Mm. Um, but there are also, as you point out, like other tendencies and strands that kind of fuse and weave in and out and have an influence or have been influenced by it. There is this history of groups that, you know, want to kind of carve out their own uh, state, their own sovereign from society, right? Uh, a lot of the times they are white supremacists, white nationalists, ethno-nationalist groups, and we've seen growing number or a good number of them also try to do this in one way or another with blockchain related projects. I mean, the most, mm. the most recent one, um, it's called Liberland. Um, it's this, uh, failed one that was supposed to be a settlement on disputed land between Serbia and Croatia. It's on the Danby river. Um, it's run by a bunch that, of that, that sounds the Ike's to me already. Yeah. yeah, that, sounds, <laughs> yeah. That, sounds, that gave me the chills. Just, just yeah. <laughs> It's a bunch of libertarians who believe democracy is not fair to people who have more money and resources. Oh, and hell yeah. Yeah, right. So <laughs> oh voting God, rights man. should be tied to how much of the tokens you have, how much money you're contributing to the treasury, um, that this will be a system determined by the people who have the most, you know, of the token, most of the currency, most mm. of the wealth to contribute and make the project run smoothly. It's not running smoothly for a variety of reasons. Basically but, voting with your dollars. Yeah, but voting like with act, your dollars. But, but, but actually it's a governance system. Mm -hmm. And I think like that's as one example of a sort of thread that has emerged, right? We're seeing, we're, we've seen, for example, the adoption, widespread adoption in the decentralized autonomous organizations, which are these like basically corporations, mm. but with crypto, right? The, they're called DAOs, right? Yeah, they're called DAOs. Uh, they're basically the, the uh, sort of, at this stage, they're... Um, so, uh, supposed to be a more decentralized 
corporation, right? Mm-hmm. A voting decisions are run by tokens, which you get by based on how much you poured into it, right? And often the people with the most tokens are investors, VCs, uh, wealthy individuals who are whales, um, traders, um, with some members of the community having some say, right? You know, you know uh, what this sounds like? You know, mm-hmm. not to cut you off, but this just mm-hmm. reminds me of like. You know, it doesn't matter how how much more evolved, quote, evolved the mode of production is. It's like we only find out new ways to, like, scam each other and oppress ourselves. Yeah. So this just sounds like just like a kind of patronage system, right? Or, or like, you know, like a, a, a poll tax, I guess, right? Like, you know, you couldn't vote and participate in politics, let alone run for office and make decisions for your community unless you had land and money, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I mean which is yeah, the case today, the thing, but right? which is the same case under capitalism. But this feels, you know, like it feels like an evolved version of that, you know. Yeah, you know, I do think like there is a this sort of thread that kind of is necessary for the communities and various crypto projects to survive. Like when a crash happens and they need to tell themselves, you know, they just need to push through this light at the end of the tunnel. But also that to convince them to keep pushing forward and building out the project is that they're exceptional in one way or another, right? They're exceptional because they made the money, they have the money, or they're going to get the money. Um, And that, you know, this sort of exceptionalism blends in pretty nicely or easily or dovetails pretty easily into these sort of philosophies where you're operating on the idea that not everybody gets an equal say, right? Mm. Or that people who do contribute um, have to do so in ways that are not, that are you know already slanted towards certain types of people having advantage right that if you just happen to put in money and work hard that'll be rewarded but who are the people that have the time and the money and this and the energy to build up these projects it's people who are not like us you know it's not people who have jobs it's not people who are don't have the capital to to get involved already it's like just wealthy traders or lucky mm-hmm. traders you know mm-hmm. right and so so it sounds like almost like the governing systems of like what these crypto and DAOs are trying to trying to like these crypto enthusiasts and any people who are using DAOs, for instance, and like the all these different governing systems and, and uh, cryptocurrencies. Like I can imagine, like say Ethereum, for instance, which you don't have to go into quite yet. But in the way they kind of uh, automate contracting and things of that nature, it almost seems like. It's like a fusion of an earlier mode of production of like feudalism, but then mm-hmm. also maintaining like the mechanisms of finance capital. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think with with a lot of these developments, with crypto, with the speculative component of it, because, you know, it's a, it's a pretty speculative asset. It doesn't have a real core value except what other people project onto it. So a lot of the staying powers, a lot of the biggest projects in crypto are just like things where you put your money in a box and you wait a little bit and more money comes out. Hmm. And that justifies the value, that justifies the billions of dollars locked up, that justifies uh, the energy from engineers and developers pushing you know, uh, themselves to build out products and communities on top of this. But, you know, to your point, like that sort of, I think it is fair to view this sort of stuff as, I mean, it is all still capitalism, but there are weird devolutions or regressions hmm. that I also don't know how we suss out analytically, where they're just, it, you know, on some levels, it seems more parasitic. Mm-hmm. On some levels, it seems more speculative and, mm-hmm. and fantastical. 
Um, but at the end of the day, it's all deeply exploitative. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that is like one of the core takeaways. It may be in the future and at some point there could be useful projects that come out of crypto. For, but for the most part, the way it operates is more or less like a casino. New blood in, you know, so, old blood out. So, Ed, I, I would guess I want to before you kind of get into what's going on now, mm-hmm. um, just to kind of clarify, I guess you kind of already answered. But um, one of the questions I kind of had for you is that, um, like you said, it's initial appeal of crypto was it was a subversion, I guess, of centralized and traditional banking systems, right? Mm-hmm. But, and we're going to get into um, the, the crash and Celsius and whatnot, but um, it seems that it's experiencing the same pitfalls, right? Crypto and contradictions of a traditional banking system, right? Um, what, what would you say are the mechanisms at work that don't make it any much different. I mean, you've talked about it a little bit, but um, like in terms of like, I think about, and I guess it's probably another question I had, but I think about I'll get into that later, but I think about the 2008 crash, like the housing crash and how that had wide reaching effects for people that um, weren't even attempting to own homes, right? Um, and it seems like I've even heard likes of Thomas Friedman, for example, talk about a crypto crash in the same way so could you just talk about a little bit about like what what sort of mechanisms are at work that don't make this this shit any different and why especially if you're on the left you should be very suspicious yeah you know so i think there are a lot of things right crypto or to step back finance a lot of people a pro. A lot of people are struggling to survive. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would like more money. A lot of people need more money. Mm-hmm. There's always been pretty lucrative efforts to bring people into uh, endeavors that looks whose business models look like pyramids, right? And you take the money from new people, you pay older people, you take in more money, so on and so forth. I think with crypto a lot of people are pulled in because one it's it's a new technology or it seems to be a new technology right and we live in the middle of a bull run a a 10-year bull run where a lot of it has been dominated by technology companies that say they're technology companies companies that insist they have a new technology promising to retrans to transform or reorganize society right so there's digital component the technological component there's a lot of boosterism from celebrities, from public figures. Yeah, we're gonna athletes, get into that. We're gonna get you know? into that because that's in, that's that's just insane. The the mm-hmm. boosterism we've been seeing from politicians and um and celebrities. But yeah, yeah. No, our, I think our, our lovely mayor Eric Adams. Yeah, Eric Adams. I mean, <laughs> fucking um, they uh, uh uh God, who am I thinking of, man? Um, my brain is blanking out right now. Curb your enthusiasm. Larry David. Um, yeah, Larry David. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I even seen Eric Mayor Andre Williams, talking that shit. Forrest. LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Jay-Z. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they have these celebrities, right? That's boosting a lot of people. Hmm. You also have the pandemic where people did kind of have a little bit more money, but less things to do with it. And in general, during the pandemic, we saw an increase in gambling. Hmm. Uh, as more, you know, there has uh, been a large push. A it's not gambling. Push. It's investing in the future. Right. Exactly. Sorry, <laughs> in, uh, re- assessing risk and, mm-hmm. and and pushing the boundaries of your risk tolerance. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a pretty huge lobbying push by like DraftKings and other companies to expand lobbying, to bring it to apps, bring it to uh, new casinos, or, or you know, figure out new ways to get new audiences um, involved in gambling. 
Um, but I think also there's been this involvement of like really rich individuals and investors, financiers, venture capitalists uh, who are trying to design an ecosystem where people are not going to leave as easily as they might want to, where people are going to give them the money as, as easily as they would like, where they're going to have multiple opportunities to exit, right? So the ecosystem mm. that's being developed, a lot of the things that are attracting people are not the same as things that would provide real value for people. Mm. They're providing value for this is people who are attracting people as public figures. They're providing value for the investors who got in early because they need new blood to generate the and pump up the value. And then generating value for creators of some of these things if they happen to get backed by some big mm. uh, pile of money. And they're getting and they're helping, you know, some lucky individuals who are trading them as an investment or a risky gamble. But they're not actually helping the people who are like, this is supposed to be the future, uh, except in some fringe cases, right? That um we can also probably talk about later right so i think that's these are some of the things that are like it's you know that are pushing it right people are going more desperate and people are looking at this new shiny thing that celebrities politicians are telling them to do and they have more money to do something with and that it seems like everyone else is on board it seems like it's going to the moon it seems like it's going to transform how we live our lives right mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess like tied to this is like, why is it that you think that particular, you know, you touched on it a little bit, but why is that it seems like there's a pretty big push to try to um, bring up how crypto specifically will uplift and provide opportunity for people of color and other marginalized groups? Like, can you explain mm. why they do this? Like, why is it like, but also why is it, you know, why is it bullshit? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the same reason why they did that in 2008. I mean, in 2008, oh. you know, they were offering uh, really risky uh, mortgages mm. to people who didn't qualify for them or who wouldn't be able to afford them because they would, you know, because they they could get a pretty good kickback from them or they were trying to get them to books or whatever. But at the end of the day, right, what's the rhetoric they would use? This is about financial inclusion. We're reversing yeah. redlining. We're expanding home ownership and offering it to groups who would otherwise not be able to get it. Are you opposing advancing into the future with more equality, right? Are you opposing e-reparations is basically what they fucking say. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so annoying, yeah. This is the future. Reparation coin. Right, yeah. (laughs) On the blockchain. And... um, it's it, this is the this is the ethos i think that goes on there where it's like the there's a lot of rhetoric about how we're going to uplift people but a lot of times a lot of times when someone is telling you that they're going to like uplift you like reach for your wallet because that really means they're going to lift your wallet right yes. they're going to they're figuring out ways in which to get you to fork over the money right mm-hmm. and usually that means by saying look the previous system excluded you and it has but this new system is totally different. Uh, why? Because it's the future. And, what, and more or less, that's what most of the arguments boil down to. This is the future, and that's right. why it's different. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like, you know, when people are familiar with, like, you know, scams or people stealing money from you by reaching from their wallet and grabbing it from there, the scams that people need to worry about are not so much that. Rather, it's the ones that, like you said, you, you are the one that handing their wallet to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. like, it, it's, I think it also makes it so that, you know, 
it is much more powerful to have those groups of people at the forefront insisting that this is going to liberate them after you've convinced them this is going to liberate them from poverty, right, from just from exclusion from financial opportunities and investment opportunities. It's, it's, very, it's much more powerful if those people, if those excluded demographics are saying, this has helped me, than if it's a bunch of the same old people. I mean, not that they won't still go far, right? You can have crypto be dominated almost exclusively by white investors and nothing, and they would still probably have the same outcome. But if you are concerned about, you know, if you're in the early stages, you don't really have too much in the way of proof about how this will truly revolutionize the mm-hmm. world. Having these people out there provides you with a good lifeline of new blood and also, you know, is a good way to deter criticism, a good way to deflect from criticism because you are offering these opportunities of inclusion. Yeah. yeah. Right. And and I want I, I just wanted to add something, underscore something that you said, Ed, is that um, you know, um technology under liberalism, and when I say liberalism, I'm not talking about like, you know, necessarily like um like one half of an ideological coin. I'm talking about like a political economic system, right? Like what liberals believe uh, capitalism of the free market um, can do for people, but also technology, right? And technology always has this veneer of like progressivism, you know, like the conti- like the I guess the um the continue the continuation of like human continuity. I guess is what I'm saying, you know, that. As long as technology is invested in and advanced and developed, that it really can sort of level the playing field, right? As long as everyone has access, one of those other nebulous words. But I don't know. This just kind of makes me think that, like, you know, the same way I know that you've, we've talked about this when I went to your pod and you talk about this um, a lot. It's a theme on your show um, is, um, like, Luddites, right, which were not initially opposed to the technology um, the industrial technology itself or themselves, but they were opposed at the ownership, right? The fact that this technology was being used by people who already have power and being used to exploit them. And it feels like, you know, the, the same sort of, again, veneer of progressivism of you too can be included in the future and swept up into it when that often is not the case, you know? Yeah, you know, I think it's, you know, like, there's a reason why, like, all of these, a lot of the economy today, we've had this bull run, or to step back, right, this bull run that we've had for the past 10 years, a lot of it in the aftermath of a financial system that just preyed on uh, excluded uh, demographics, black people, brown people, um, nothing of that was shifted or changed or uprooted. And then the next 10 years where a lot of the same people, a lot of people connected to that, offering more of the same rhetoric for other tech products. Mm-hmm. And then using those tech products to then re-enter financial spaces and say, well, now we can do financial tech, technological products. or now we can do technological products that bypass the financial system mm-hmm. or the stock market system or the brokers or the intermediaries that prevent you from getting with the market because those intermediaries are where you'll face the discrimination and the exclusion. Right. So like you were saying, you know, this, this sort of insistence and the belief that the way that we improve the world is just by is tinkering at the edges as opposed to radically uh, uh, critically analyzing why the world sucks and then excising the parts of it that are rotten is a key 
reason why we will keep seeing this, even if crypto were to crash and go to zero tomorrow, something else will come along in a few days, right? Because at the end of the day, liberalism is dominant here, right? Mm-hmm. Even whether it's conservatives or liberals, absolutely, you know, they are st- one one way or another having conversations with each other about what what the future should look like and how the tinkering at the edges is the solution. Either we're tinkering at the edges because we want to preserve the old order, or we're tinkering at the edges because we think that some superficial changes um, will be the solution here. And they may offer crypto and blockchain tech as a radical thing, but you know, as we'll talk about later, it doesn't. Though it's radical in the sense that it re-establishes old forms of exploitation, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Before we get into kind of more of the finer details as to the crash, because there seems like a mm-hmm. lot of elements with the crash that you know not just happened, but is ongoing. Mm-hmm. I guess a question I have for you is like, and this is something I've heard both in real life and also online, is that what would you say to people who say cryptocurrencies are good actually, but but from the left? You know, and the example that they bring up is like, oh, well, cryptocurrency, like say Bitcoin, could be used to flout inter- imperialist sanctions or like, say, mm-hmm. blockchain technology could be useful for, say, the purpose of central planning. What would you say to those kind of pushbacks of like, oh, well, I mean, we need something like that to kind of just be able to not uh, be under the the uh the oppression of the american empire this is a real thing i've heard people yeah no it's it's an absolute that's a great question i mean i'm not answering it but yeah that's that's something that i've heard too even today on twitter i saw uh i saw glenn greenwald um went on this show uh uh called the blockchain or this account the blockchain socialist and like my eyes like my melted you know what i'm saying i was just like that (laughs) those two blockchain socialists just seems like so contradictory to me you know what i'm saying like an oxymoron so yeah that's yeah what what would you say to those people Ed? socialism with crypto characteristics oh jesus yeah. christ i think we shouldn't the reason that crypto is adopted at large is not necessarily because it has some inherent revolutionary potential uh for our project but because it has a potential for their project to reaffirm certain types of exploitation and there being capitalism under yeah you know so yeah there are very interesting leftist projects you could do with crypto and blockchain the blockchain socialist has outlined some interesting ones on their website ways that you could create institutions that might be resistant to uh attempts by the right uh, through democratic processes or through judicial processes to undermine housing policy, right, or to undermine energy policy. But at the same time, I mean, we like the the concern that I have typically when people talk about crypto and good use cases is I think yeah there are all sorts of good use cases, but we're not really debating, we're not arguing about the use cases. We should be arguing about what role crypto and what role all the structures that prop it up and come out of it should have in our society, right? And if we really think that we can just proliferate our good use cases and and that will enlighten people and they'll adopt them and that will lead to a sea change, we're naive, right? The the political economy of crypto right now is it's dominated by right-wing financiers who don't believe in democracy, right? Who are more or less authoritarian or fascist a lot of them who are racist, a lot of them who have reactionary views about how humans should relate to each other, how different ethnic groups should relate to each other, how you know sex and gender should be thought of in society. Why do we think that something these people have spent hundreds of billions of dollars on or driven hundreds of billions, trillions of dollars into 
can be salvaged in its current form, right? I don't, like, I think there's a tendency to believe that just because something is built, we need to think about how we can repurpose it. Yes. Um, when I think most instances, you'll find that it needs to be completely destroyed because the way that it looks and the way we think about it is a specific set of historical, political, economic choices. We need to go back, right? Right. It's a, it's a weird... I mean, it's not weird. I get it, but it is like a. I think it's like a this fallacy now. It's well, like yeah. a sunk cost. Well, yeah, it comes from. Off. Well, it comes from like. Sorry, Hor- sorry, Hori. Do you want to go? Go for it. No, it comes. Well, it comes from like we just like you know in our in our theory sort of series where we talk about theory. I mean, state and revolution, for example. I mean, just the Marxist conception of the Leninist con- Leninist conception of the state and commandeering the state, right, and repurposing it. But the point is that the state will be abolished. It'll wither away by what means and how so. That's a different conversation, different episode. But this idea that this this thing that's used for social reproduction of capitalist social relations, the fact that the idea that you think you'd be able to commandeer that and repurpose it, it just seems so rotten to its core that, like you, like you said, Ed, you have to get to an radical analysis. You have to get to the re- material and root like like causes and issues and you know the base you know what i mean and how it reproduces itself so i mean i'm happy you said that because mm-hmm. you know i think that like as jorge you know said like kind of uh uh warding off i guess an imperial project right or sort of as a buffer from imperial power using crypto and i'm like man but it seems like a lot of the crypto shit like what's going on is in the imperial within the imperial core it's a product of the imperial core you know yeah like, let's be yeah. clear, there are, there are benefits, like, you know, you can, for example, and people have been able to send money or use money or move money around if they were in Ukraine, right? Or if in a country that's suffering sanctions mm-hmm. that they shouldn't be under, right? And that's true. But I don't think that that in of itself should make us reconsider our criticism of crypto. That should make us think about, okay, like, how do we build borderless payment systems? Exactly. Crypto it's, it's, is not that anymore and it hasn't been that for over a decade and i think i think you know like part of that is a success of the messaging but also that should speak to like the things that people do like about it can be things that we can excise from it and should build up independently we need to figure out like how to put how to do the impossible right and put it either in back in the pandora's box or to or to cut away as much as possible that we don't want in the quest to figure out what's worth saving yeah, I think, you know, I'm glad you brought that up, Aaron, and, you know, great point that you're bringing up, Ed. It's just like, you know, just point in terms of the state, you know, even pointing to, like, say, like the Leninist conception of, like, you know, the, how Lenin describes the need of, a, say, how he, desc- uh, how he argues from his point of view that, you know, after a revolutionary uh, situation, you know, the working, like the workers and, you know, socialists and communists take over uh, um, state power, what have you, the reason... He argues that, yes, there will be a, a worker state, but he makes makes very careful. It's like this is a very different, like, in terms of its, like, essence, mm-hmm. a different kind of institution than, say, the capitalist state because mm-hmm. it's trying to build socialism. And the way I kind of think about it in terms of technology, it's like, you know, it's I, I think about, like, the iPhone, for instance. The problem, the, the smartphones aren't necessarily a capitalist conception. It's like a technology like anything else. But... The way that it manifests in our society, like look at the iPhone or like the Android phones, is that, but I think the iPhone is the best example of this, is that 
you can op you can't open it up you can't like interchange things you can't just like your phone is really not your own you can't really just modify it as you will and because that's the conception and development mm. and produce producing of a smartphone in a capitalist society in a say a more in a socialist society for instance a smartphone could be created where like you can just put you know add in and remove it's and modular you want. yeah yeah modular because yeah. like there, there is not this there's a strong conception of like needing to be under tight protection because you're worried about like your intellectual property mm. being stolen or what have you because you know intellectual property for those of us who might know already but just to make sure it's affirmed like you know it's it's just this uh it's basically private property extended to just the the world the realm of ideas right? yeah, which is insane so, which is insane concept yeah. that's like, that we should do an episode on that because that's well but um so so Ed, i guess like then so we talked about um sort of what crypto is um, you helped clear that up for me, so thank you very much. And we talked a little bit about sort of its ideological underpinnings. Um, now let's like, let's kind of like, um, I guess, uh, kind of telescope into what is currently happening now. On my timeline today, um, motherfucker, when you talk about Celsius, I only know Celsius <laughs> as a measurement of uh, temperature. I have no idea what the fuck people were talking about today. Um, last time, um, yeah, uh, it's the future as it's, it's, it's science, it's a scientific, yeah, the future is Celsius. We're going to, yeah, we have to abandon Fahrenheit. We, we really should. We really should. We should be Celsius though. But <laughs> yo, what is, what is going on, dude? Like the last time, I think a couple of weeks ago, um, when we were preparing, there was like the crash. I feel like there's been a period of a couple months where every week I'm hearing about crypto yeah, crashing. crashes. Yeah, so what is, and by the time that we release this and people listen to it, there'll probably be another crash. So what the fuck is going on, man? So since November, back in November, crypto hit its uh, cap, uh, market capitalization or valuation of about like, I want to say $3 trillion? Was it close? It was about $3 trillion Jesus With Christ. a T? Um, three, yeah, with a T. <laughs> Dog. That, that was the peak value. Dog, I can't even conceptualize that much money. Sorry, that's yeah. insane to me. I'm just taken back by it. It's it's an insane amount, but it's almost all gone. I mean, right now the market <laughs> cap <laughs> <laughs> got him. <laughs> oh man, that's funny as hell. No, <laughs> it is. I because I I'm Gro growing shocked. pains, uh, growing pains, growing pains. Yeah, growing pains. Right. Uh, the market cap right now is down from three trillion to nine hundred fifty billion. I believe they fumbled the bag. Yeah, they fumbled <laughs> it. They really they had the whole world. Um, now this has devastated, eviscerated a lot of projects. There's been an ongoing bear, um, you know, bear market where sellers are nervous about tech in general. They think the economy is um, overdue for a recession or a correction. They're seeing the tech sector collapse because there are a lot of bubbles in the tech sector because we spent 10 years handing out money to anything that said they could become a monopoly. You know, mm -hmm. So there are a lot of tech companies that, are, that were over, um, overvalued. There are a lot of tech companies, and no business being as valuable as they were. And I think that more or less this pattern uh, can be applied to crypto where there was a lot of value assigned to projects that were quite literally nothing more than we will pay you to put your money with us. Mm. And people were using these projects, putting 10, 20, 40, 60 billion dollars into boxes because they were promised 18 to 20% a year on the money that they put in. 
And for reference, your bank account, your savings account gives you 1%, you know, two if you're lucky, right? So a lot of people are putting the money in and into a fundamentally unstable system that requires only a few accidental events, a few malicious actors, a few freak events to happen to destabilize uh, core pillars of support for prices and then start a panic and need people to exit an ecosystem and then spread panic to the rest of the, uh, to other related projects mm-hmm. and then got people to leave those ecosystems. So, I mean, some of the more big crashes recently, there's been Axie Infinity. Axie Infinity is basically Pokemon, but imagine each Pokemon. <laughs> 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 Thank know, you. you you're really explaining. No, you're explaining this like so well because again, I'm a fucking dumbass. So no, like, I'm, please uh, keep using references like it, this, please. It literally is Pokemon, man. It's Pokemon, but the but the monsters are NFTs, right? <laughs> Dog. I, I, it's a game you play. People are saying this is the future. This is how we're gonna from <laughs> the global south. <laughs> okay. Oh my god, these people. <laughs> they uh, so they were like, you know, this is the future. The future of gaming is uh, having is turning your gaming into a job. Um, and listen, now... I'm an abolitionist, but no, go ahead. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, I hear you. You know, so they, so these people that crash happened because people are like, okay, now. We have this system where instead of getting paid a dollar a day, you get paid three dollars a day. But you have to spend thousands of dollars to buy the NFTs to get into the game because it was around the peak of crypto. Hmm. So you would loan them out. You get NFTs loaned to you. You pay 60, 70 percent of your earnings to a boss, right? A sharecropper, essentially. And then a lot of people would hoard their tokens. And instead of transferring from for anything else, they would wait for the price to be good enough for them to get money out of it. Mm. sell them dump it and over time there was way too much of the token it fell as shit killed the whole ecosystem then they got hacked by north korean hacker and lost 600 yeah. million hell yeah hell yeah critical support <laughs> so, Com- you know, so that, DPRK. Was, that was a big crash right yeah <laughs> that was a big crash that made people say like oh wow like this is everyone was hailing this game as the crown jewel but it was has been dying for the past four months i know <laughs> and it's like not even a, it's it's all right I can, it's generous to call it a game. It's not really a game. It's, uh, it's just. I like, remember. I remember when you were talking about this. Like people were attacking you online for for comparing it to sharecropping. They're like, "No, it's not." And you're like, "Well, explain it." If you explain <laughs> it, if you let someone explain it to you, what do you call it when you don't own something? You rent access to the thing, and you give back a significant most of your earnings to the person you rented it from. You could call that feudalism, <laughs> or you could call it sharecropping. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what are, what are we talking about here? You know, so so that was a very big hack that chain that started um, a sort of panic, at least at this part of the year, around the time when people were hoping there would be start to be a comeback that, that we were out of crypto winter, as they were calling it, right? Hmm. And, and, and like, wasn't like the beginning of the crypto winter was like the like the collapse of like the NFT market, right? Yeah, the the NFT market started to slow down last year in the fall, um, but we really have started to see the complete erasure of sales and volume and trading activity now, hmm. right? What do you um, think? Is there is there anything? Because um, you talked about like how that's happened, but you think there's any series of events? any key events because it's never one thing that have precipitated that like rapid like i guess decline or devaluation i mean yeah i think they're like you know some of the i think earnestly some of the macroeconomic features did our uh, conditions scared people right mm. the concern that 
you know, Fed's going to uh, increase interest rates. People are going to uh, try to look for more safer ways to get money back instead of just like gambling their money on. Oh, wait, a, um, wait, well, wait a minute. I thought crypto was inflation proof and with digital gold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A bunch of people thought that <laughs> and uh, they were wrong. Um, uh, <laughs> I think, um, you know, crypto was hailed as a way to hold value, even when the dollar would lose its value. Um, that is not proven to be true because it has lost 67% of its value over the past six months, eight months now. Um, so about $2 trillion in, in eight months, right? But um, nice. I think also, um, you know, with uh, with the the panic that has been sparking this crash right there's mm. been this concern there's been the failure of various projects mm-hmm. uh tokens and, and nft collections dying constant fraud misdirection how, how can nft collections like like uh, wait what what do you mean like they die like or like they just like uh, that, that people aren't interested in them right but wait a minute if it's a collection then like how can it just die yeah <laughs> well, <laughs> well that's well, the that's, thing well that's it's not that's what you that's a good thing to point out like all of this is commodities it's not actually what they say it is which is art yeah that's what i was about to ask you right like i didn't get started we didn't i didn't even think of this question until like we just brought it up and jorge like um jorge just kind of implied but what what the fuck is the deal i hope this isn't too much of a segue because i do want to get back to like what is going on now but a fundamental question i want to ask is like what is the fucking deal with them trying to pass this shit off as art man because dog dog like when i look at a picture yo even even like a picture in a museum man like i mean of course these have to do with capitalistic often imperialistic reasons cultural hegemony x y and z why this painting um costs this much money or is valued at this much money but i could understand if it's like you know if it's like a picasso or something if it's like an actual material thing that is like I could be in the room with Exi- it. You know, that's a pretty yeah, big deal for me. Ex- yeah, that existed, right? So, what what is the deal? I guess what I'm asking is like I could touch the painting. You know, yeah, that's, that's nice. Well, what's the deal with the fucking like trying to trying to like uh, uh, brand this shit as art? You know, like is that a, just another cynical push to type to get like to to kind of dragnet people into it? Yeah, basically, what's the deal with NFTs? Uh, the deal with <laughs> NFTs is that interest rates are too low. And people are, ho- are hoarding money and have money that they shouldn't have and blowing it on things that have no real value, right? That's that's the that's the take I feel like in my heart is what's going on here. But a more a more bird's eye view might say that um, NFTs are an attempt where people don't have the infrastructure. We don't have the infrastructure to do any of the shit that the crypto people really say they want to do with Web three mm. or Web five now. Um, and, and so as a result, right, they're saying, okay, we don't have the infrastructure to build it, but we can at least still offer you the elementary products, versions, and have platforms for people to experiment on. To so it's like the, the kitty, it's like the kitty pool. Them. Yeah, you know, yeah, just flash around and spew the shit over there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it just also happens to be with hundreds of billions of dollars, right? But, but what, I guess what I'm asking, like, like um, oh, I mean, you did answer my question partially, but what's the... The art thing. What is the? Why is it being branded? I mean, you can't. You, I don't expect you to wholly answer that. What's an NFT? Why do you think, yeah. Why? But what? But why do you think also the art branding to it, the designation that people are trying to call this like a revolution, not just in the way we use money and think about money and currency, but art itself. I think. Uh, I think in general, 
with a lot of analysis of people in tech, we kind of like, you know, commentators kind of assume the best intentions. Hmm. And I think it's safe to assume at this point, after decades of this, that a lot of them are just liars. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying to be like, well, get into like, these motherfuckers' brains. Let me know. Yeah. No, you like, and it's just like, no, they're just fucking scam you know, artists. If it, if it sounds long like, like, like a it, duck and it walks like a duck, then you know it's a duck. Like I don't, and 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 I think like some of them may believe they're ushering mm. in art or the future of art or providing platforms where the future of art can thrive. Bless their heart. Not there yet, but it's just so it's insidious, shit. man. It's so insidious because I would like, feel differently if one of them mm. looked good. Yeah. Good, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Maybe that's what it is. It would have just looked good. Yeah. I ask every month or so. Can someone show me an NFT that looks good? God, mm. oh, man. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> you know? No, I mean, like, I think, I think what you you've you've mentioned this uh, analogy before, um, in terms of describing what is an NFT. It's like, I think it's like you go, you say you go to the lure, of, like the Mona Lisa example. You 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 bring up. I think it's like, could you could you could you like. Uh, Explain it to us like that. Oh, yeah, that analogy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I go to the I go to the Lerv. The dude takes me aside. He says, "Hey, this is the Mona Lisa. Would you like to buy the Mona Lisa?" I say, "Yeah, of course. It's the Mona Lisa. I would love to have it." And then I give him an eye-watering sum of money, that I, and we walk. And he says, "Okay, right this way." And instead of actually giving me the Mona Lisa or putting it into a truck or giving it to me, he takes me to this corridor in the back of the museum. <laughs> buried in the basement and shows me this clipboard and says that says everyone who's ever owned it and then writes my name underneath the last owner and says you own it now and gives me a receipt wow dog and that's it the, re- the receipt and the the clipboard that's the nft you know that's you, the nft you know what these mother you know what man these motherfuckers i bet think that's how socialism works or communism works like that's the way <laughs> yo that's the way that they talk about it right they're like oh everybody's gonna be owning the same fucking toothbrush yeah. it's like okay motherfucker <laughs> you just bought an ape for like you know what i'm saying like yeah, money dude. that would last like fucking at least three four five generations you know what i'm saying this is, I mean, look, it's kind. Of, it is a bit crazy that like all the pejoratives they threw at socialists. This, like you said, own mm-hmm. the same toothbrush, own the same car, own the same room. What kind of economy do they end up building? That's those are some of the most productive firms for them that they've thrown hundreds of billions of dollars into. Mm. Is where how can we get ten people to own this one thing and make it as productive <laughs> an asset as possible? And something that's not even actually, like, has a use value, right? Like, it doesn't even have a productive use value. Like, you can't do anything with it, but say that you have it. And that's why, like, I'm happy the way you explained it. Like, it's like a pyramid scheme of patronage. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's exactly what it is, and that makes a lot no, more that, fucking sense. It's not a pair rich game. It's a multi-level finance. Yeah. <laughs> there's levels. And there's levels to and this there's shit. Waterfalls. Right. <laughs> um, before, but, real okay. quick. Wait, Jorge. We're, wait. Oh, you want to go to Web three, Web three, and Web five, right? Uh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, I want, I want to, I want to, I want to understand this. It's like, what exactly is Web three? You mentioned it with examples NFT, but like, what exactly is Web three, and what is crypto's relation to it? What? Why do they say that supposedly this new iteration of the internet that's different from anything before it, or is it just like a scam? But also, I started to see Web five. What the fuck is that? Yeah, and and when if I could add like an addendum to that as well, if you could throw this in, Ed, because I feel like it might be related. What the fuck is up with like the metaverse too, man? 
You know what I'm saying? Like, not even just metaverse. I guess, I don't know if that's something that Facebook or MetaNow has exclusively pushed, but it just seems to be wrapped up into the Web3 talk. Can you, like, also explain that shit as well? Because, I like, Jorge, I'm just, like... I think I think it's tied. It's tied. I would say it's tied. I think a good way to think of it is that, um, you know, over time, the line goes down, right? Mm. And the ways in which you can squeeze blood from a rock and water from a rock run out or that you get less when you squeeze it. So they're trying to figure out a few things. They're trying, trying to, to figure out, out the clock. you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. What what are new things that we can create that will engage people and pull them in as much as the last generation of technologies and goods mm-hmm. and services that did. Um, but even more so, like how can we continue to grow at the, at the boundary here? And have the same sorts of returns or sustain them, you know, or reverse the decline. So one solution is the metaverse. <coughs> you create a digital world that is much worse, much shittier, much less pleasant, and also flat and one dimensional in many ways. Not in literal, it's a, it's a 3D world, of course, but But it doesn't even look cool from what I've seen. Cool. It you looks like a dreamcast in it. You know, you just have sight and hearing. Um, it's it is an attempt to create another world that will be sufficient or maybe superficially aesthetically pleasing enough to justify parking money there, right? And charging money and extracting money and generating rents and and finding you know profits. People, and, like people have already started to like buy digital like homes, right? Yeah, digital homes. Like, like Snoop Dogg did that, remember? Yeah, they have uh, sneakers. They have NFT projects that are there that live in the metaverse. They have video games that live in the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, dude! I saw you could buy you could buy a pair of um like an NFT of which the sentence makes no sense to me. An NFT of an original pair of Air Jordan ones. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, it's sneak. Uh, it's creeping into fashion. Nike is getting into that shit. There's a thing called step in where you buy NFTs of sneakers and depending on how much you move a day and how good the NFTs of the sneakers are, you generate a coin, which you can then sell what? for money. What? Yo, that's yeah. so I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand what you just explained. <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly, I think that's good. And I think, listen, you know, a lot of people will try to tell you if you don't understand something with crypto, they'll try to make you feel bad. Trust that. Trust your instinct. You <laughs> thank, something thank with you. crypto, it's bullshit, man. Come thank on. You, you know? thank, you for, <laughs> thank you for validating me because, like, I'll get in, like, I won't even get in arguments about it because, like, again, I have a very superficial understanding, which you've, like, um, sharpened for me. Thank you. But I'm just like, dude, isn't it just good enough that if, like, I think I have decent political instincts. I think I have decent moral instincts. It's not even about politics. It just feels scammy. You know what I'm saying? Even if the vibe's off, the vibe vibe is off, dude. Even if I like sneakers, you know, I don't really like the the sneaker reselling culture and shit. But much less so do I like that sneaker reselling. At at least you can at least like a reselling culture. Like you can't own a sneaker and wear it. You know, you can sell it. You can sell it for immediate money that you need, or buy a shoe that you really want instead of like whatever the fuck they're doing where you're owning the likeness of something along with like 300,000 other motherfuckers. Like it just, it just, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it really is sort of like this new updated reification, right. Of objects that Marx talks about, you know, where they lord over us and dominate our lives, but it's not even a physical object anymore. You know, 
Commodity fetish. No, commodity, comma, fetish. Yes, yeah, yes. Commodity know, fetishism. Yes, that's what it is. Yes. If we have a new religion, we need to make this shit illegal. I just think that <laughs> you gotta put it in there, man. This word, these words, none of these words, crypto, NFT, metaverse. They're not of the Quran. They're, they're not of the Quran, dog. No. <laughs> Maybe they'll be in the next one. <laughs> so then okay so that's so i guess web3 then Wait. is wrapped up go ahead Hori, go ahead yeah yeah so i guess i think you're gonna you're getting into it mm. but like, then what is web5 yes the yes is that what, yeah, what the so fuck web is web3 and why is, not web4 right yeah what <laughs> so web3 is supposed to be internet run on the principles of crypto and powered by crypto right mm. so okay. a lot of the elements we talked about decentralization financialization these tokens that allow you differential rights and control over projects, um, a focus on commodities, trading commodities, speculation of commodities, incentivizing relations between people through transactions. Right? I've heard microtransactions are like they argue is like an element of Web3 that's actually already exists. It's just people familiar in terms of gaming with like microtransactions. Yeah. You know, I think it's like it, there's, it's part of this drive to like quantify the world in a way that makes all transactions and interactions knowable to the market mm. so then you can properly price them mm. incentivize them disincentivize them it's a demonic enterprise <laughs> <laughs> yeah. motherfuckers look at like like they're like oh yeah the parts of video games nowadays that you don't like yeah now let's make a whole thing about that yeah yo what no, if you, you all of life was like assassin's creed Valhalla. <laughs> <laughs> what if like what if all of life and you know it's like video games have currency systems. I played Final Fantasy. Right. You know, I played fucking Legend of Zelda. Nobody likes like those these games with the advent of smartphones. These games that there's a microtransaction for, mm -hmm. or I guess World of Warcraft, right? Like MMORPGs were the progenitors of this kind of shit. But you're right, right Jorge. That's a perfect example. Why the fuck would you want to make that the whole venture the whole thing nobody wants that dude people hate microtransactions you know pay pay 20 cents to access this website yeah no nah, nah, pay 20 cents fun. to put on this like you know or twenty thousand dollars to get a new suit of armor you know for but then, your fucking but character. then you'll be valuing your time and your time will be valued <laughs> what <laughs> i value my time now <laughs> so that's essentially web three it's like this idea that if we to free the internet to what? make the future happen we need to take control from the big tech oligarchies and oligopolies, okay. sure. the big tech oligarchs and their oligopolies. We need to take control from them okay. and put it in the hands of venture capitalists with slightly less money who will shepherd resources and allocate capital to places where the future is happening. Motherfuckers mm. are, are like, like, oh yeah, we need to go away from like slave societies and moving into feudalism. That's what they're yeah. arguing. Yeah. So, so, so what? So then, so then, what's the deal with Web five then, though? Right. So if if Web three is base is rooted in like you know crypto, the metaverse, all these things we talk Tra about transactions, transactions. Yeah. So, so the guy who started Web five, it started with this group that's connected to Jack Dorsey. He used to run Twitter. Oh boy. And he our hates boy, Jack, friend of the show. Yeah, our boy. He loves Bitcoin. He hates venture capitalists and Web three and all the all the shit they do in crypto because he okay. believes Fair. that they have a growth. Yeah, you know he's right. You know, broken clock right twice a day, mm -hmm. and he believes that um, they have a corrosive influence. 
Uh, they're okay. financializing everything. And that part of the problem they can financialize everything is all these things are run on Ethereum. So they have all these these features that allow them to create esoteric market and economic. What is Ethereum issues. real what is Ethereum real quick? Because I think Jorge mentioned it earlier as well, but I'm mm-hmm. still not clear what is that. So Ethereum is the second largest cryptocurrency it is one that came after bitcoin and it is different in that it allows you to um basically create contracts code that can automatically execute um a specific set of under specific set of conditions and outcome right and you can use it as a foundation unlike bitcoin to create applications to create financial tools to create services programs algorithms that serve as building blocks right. for larger and larger uh, crypto-based programs and, and projects. So and that's how is, NFTs are possible. Yeah, you know, Bitcoin is just Bitcoin, right? With some with some developers making some products that are connected to it. But Ethereum, think of it as a as a cryptocurrency that is this very fertile ground. It's like clay. It's like clay, right? It's malleable. Exactly, you can perfect. mold and it has the foundations mm-hmm. and fundamentals that you can mold it for whatever kind of purposes. Okay, so a my lot, bad. A lot of people talk about it as like Legos too. Like it allows the creation of DeFi and all these other things where you can take Lego pieces and build them together into mm-hmm. some cohesive right. form. Like, it's kind of like, but you know, it's it's as if like Legos, like or whatever, used to kind of build everything, yeah. and also the currency of the world too. Yeah, imagine if Legos were made out of uh, mercury. You know, that's. Mm. What... <laughs> <laughs> so Ed, am I bad to cut you off? I just wanted to uh, clear that up no, for myself. Good. But Web Five. So continue with Web Five. So so Jack Dorsey, you were talking about Jack Dorsey and sort of his um, apprehensions towards um, crypto and Web Three. So what is the what is Web Five? Is Web Five supposed to be? Like, okay, uh, I know we didn't know Web3, crypto didn't do what we said it was going to do, but now we're doubling down and this is going to be the true decentralized, liberatory, you, you get the gist. What, well, what, what's the difference? Yeah, what's the difference, I guess, is what I'm asking. So Web3 is supposed to be decentralized internet, free from corporate control, uh, kind of dominated by venture capitalist control and the people right Mm. and creators web five is a few things partly because of how much he fucking hates the vcs he decided to troll them and skip four and go to five okay okay that's why we have the five yeah i also feel like it's a reference to um this piece in the onion from 2004 called fuck it we're doing five blades and it's from the perspective of this guy who's the president of the of the Gillette company, and they have a three blade razor, <laughs> <laughs> and their competitors do a four blade razor, and they say, "What are we gonna do? Do a four blade razor? No, we're gonna do five blades." You fucking Wait, idiot. can I can I just real quick? I don't mean to cut you off again, but all right, real quick, if I could tie this and make it funny, you know that's kind of funny because Gillette. Was uh was founded? Gillette was a utopian socialist. You know what I'm saying? Wait, like the guy, for real? Yeah, dude. Yeah, the that. Gillette company. The guy who founded the Gillette company was a utopian socialist. Every time I tell people this, I'm surprised that they're like mind blown. We should cover him, Jorge, when we talk about utopian socialism because it's actually like, really sh- funny. Sure. But like, but like, it just kind of reminds me the onion parodying that and probably not knowing. I mean, I'm making weird references, but it's like, yeah, we're just gonna skip the part of actually um um smashing the state and actually like in a realistic material way the same way that the crypto guys are kind of like oh we're just gonna like you know say we're not gonna attack the root causes and issues and the onions like yeah fuck three we're gonna do five 
So Webb Dor- uh, Jack Dorsey, without kind of knowing it, is once again kind of playing into this utopian. Oh you know God, what I'm saying? The Gillette, the Gillette guy. Thing, yeah, he like advocated, the- he advocated for all industry to be taken over by a single corporation owned by the public, and that everyone in the U.S. should live in a giant city called Metropolis that's powered by Niagara Falls. Yo, Why this dude not? was this dude was <laughs> yo. He was kind of dope, but he was also they, fucking they, insane. You know, they don't they don't, they don't wow. make crank like they used to. Yeah, they yeah. really don't, man. What the <laughs> fuck? Bring him back. Anyway, Ed, I keep cutting I keep cutting you off. I'm doing horrible, but so 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 what? So Web Five. Web Five is a very sophisticated way of uh, saying bullshit, right? Like I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure they. I wouldn't even if you're listening to this. I would tell you to not even bother reading it. You don't even bother reading what they say for Web5 because, look, I spent a lot of time reading this stuff. Critics that I rely on spend a lot of time reading this stuff. And the short of it is that it's just buzz field field stuff. I mean, like, Web5 is trying to there – are, there are some real things, and I'll, and I'll talk about them, which is that Web5 is this Dorsey has a kind of obsession with total ownership of data and identity. And believes that some combination okay. of the blockchain where information is recorded forever and a discrete process or discrete infrastructure or type of infrastructure for the internet, changing the way computation happens, changing the way we use social media systems, the way we use um, internet or digital systems, the way they generate data about us, the way that you know we have relate to that data. If we can figure out how to get a grip on all that we can figure out how to truly ensure that everyone is anonymous on the internet if they want to be how we can prove that people are people on the internet mm-hmm. and how we can also ensure that identities can't be stolen identities can't be imitated transactions would be would be a surefire thing that you can definitely verify credentials or information or, you know and so on and so forth right okay um and so their idea is that we should do all this, but we should put it on the blockchain. I think that's a pretty stupid idea. I don't think that information <laughs> should be taken without your consent and put on something that never fucking goes away. Mm. Um, why, you know, that I, it's a little weird that the libertarians are yes, advocating of all for people. this, yes, you know? Yes. Um, why would you, why, listen, it's, 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 it sounds like, it's like that kind of like maxim from like the Bush years, like, well, what do you have to be afraid of if you have like if you've not if like about you know the government spying on you if mm. you have if you just don't say anything you're right that's like problem but just apply that to all of society what do a bunch yeah. of communists like us have to worry about exactly exactly and also too, <laughs> also too it really it really does sound like it really does sound like what what I thought it would sound like right not only bullshit but also sort of like reaffirming the same way i guess that web3 and crypto already reaffirms as you said ed these capitalism these social capitalist social relations this seems to be another uh, reaffirmation not of just of of those um sort of i guess like kind of nebulous like kind of ideas and relations i mean they're not nebulous but they're kind of hard to parse out if you don't know what you're looking for i guess is what i'm saying but it seems like web5 is again reaffirming web3 and what crypto should have been right or was supposed to be i guess right so it's like oh we didn't get it right the first time but now now we've got it you know like now we're doubling down and we're gonna fix all of the problems that exist but it just again seems to just reproduce the same issues you know i mean yeah i think it's like because we are still adhering to even if we're offering you know we're talking 
or a lot of these people are talking as if they're offering a solution that will radically rearrange how we deal with each other on the internet. But at the end of the day, they're still thinking of data as a commodity. They're still thinking as computation as being not truly publicly owned. And they're still thinking of corporations, of startups, of markets as the only places where you can go to for solutions or the only places that can be the scaffolding for solutions that people come up with together, right? Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that's a terribly optimistic or exciting picture of uh, the future. Uh, I'm not really interested in... I think that if we if we want to solve issues about what happens to data that is generated by people moving through this digital world, uh, we should not figure corporations into it. We should not figure the libertarians into it. We should not figure the venture capitalists into it. And we should start by like peeling back, you know, a lot of the bad actors that are involved in that before trying to construct a new system on the blockchain when we haven't fully ascertained all the things that are bad or mm. purged ourselves of all the practices that are bad or the ideas that are bad or that we've been trained to believe are good. Right. Mm. And I don't, I just think that a lot of these people, a lot of these, these blockchain profits, you know, and, you know, kind of just like are a bit naive, right? Mm. Like, yeah, you should have control over the data, right. That you create. I think that you should be able to deny the access to it or to, um, to that data, to various corporations and services and so on and so forth, right? Mm. I think that you should also know exactly why some data is being taken, generated, and stored, and that should be a pretty easy-to-understand process. And you should be able to remove it, right? Mm. And you should be able to protect it, and it should be protected, and it shouldn't be able to be in the hands of people who might be able to exploit it or, you know, glean insights about you or use it to try to influence your behavior. But I don't understand how you get from those beliefs to say okay well we don't want centralization we don't want the state we don't want intelligence agencies we don't want corporations to do it so we want to do our own special version of corporations and our own special version of the state and our own special version of financiers to do it that just, it just like it's like what we were talking about earlier. A lot of these people are just all of that, but less accountable. You know, yeah. yeah. What if we made a less accountable system with people whose values are more, or less, you know, who are who a few of them are calling themselves fascists. You know, like yeah. what, <laughs> out loud or writing essays about how liberalism right. is bad, which tr- true, but from the perspective of a right wing nut who thinks right. that we need to go back to yeah. Or who endorses like the great replacement theory and has like right. a set of calipers beside their computer desk. You yeah. Know what I'm saying like, you know, you know, I don't want those people designing the internet. Not right. Are you kidding? And, and I think, you know, and I, we've talked about this on this show before, but um, something that I've thought about and now that you brought, brought this up, I feel like almost in a certain way that crypto is being used as like a wedge by like the tech elite, mm-hmm. the people like Peter Thiel and other people like that to kind of like, as a mechanism to like destroy the existing system to then so that they are now on top of the, the the system you mean like how you mean like how um how like the bourgeois were like the revolutionary class that kind of upset right. like the monarchy and the feudalists right, and right, feudal right. lords and shit yeah but i mean like the bourgeoisie 
continually revolutionizes such that there's a different segment of that class that's at the top you know right now yeah. like before the top was like industrial capitalists industrial exactly. capitalists were at the top now the top are finance capitalists now they mm -hmm. the tech capitalists want to be the ones at the top exactly because like while they have the most money right now individually they don't have the most power exactly exactly yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um so, do. To, to kind of go back into like need to make the crash six Okay. <laughs> um, so kind of go back in terms of the crash then. It's like, you know, you were talking about, say, the, the video game, the NFT video game. But then there are other things I saw you know, before the crash of today um, that, you know, it's like it's like a crash of these things called stable coins. And particularly one that like was really bad was like something called Terra and its cryptocurrency called Luna. You know, what, what is a stable coin? And like, how do these things collapse? Like specifically, I guess, Terra. Like what, what is a stable coin? Yeah, this is another crash that happened uh, after Axie. So a stable coin is crypto coin. Crypto tokens are volatile as hell. So the idea is what if we peg them to an asset and we, and we try to create a system where we said, okay, one coin equals $1 or one other asset. And okay. we have this much, there are $500 million worth of this token in the world. And we have $500 million in our reserves. And so one That's token, intuitive. always use one, yeah, you know, one uh, dollar or one equivalent to a dollar. Now you can get more creative with it. You can say, okay, we maybe we don't oh, have $500 million dollars. Okay. We have $400 million and $100 million worth of things, $100 million worth of Yu-Gi-Oh cards, $100 million worth of gold. Basically million. assets, right? Yeah, assets, right? And you can get even more creative with it where you can say, okay, we have $50 It's like million. an asset-backed secure. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I was getting there. Um, so you could, yeah, so you go from... It can be fully backed to, okay, it's kind of backed with cash and cash equivalents to it's backed with cash, cash equivalents and crypto, right? Then you get into the categories of stable coins called algorithmic stable coins. Algorithmic mm. stable coins are these coins where they are usually have a mechanism where they're, they have maybe one or more tokens that are traded or burned and printed at a rate okay. to ensure that the supply isn't too high to depress the value of the under of the pegged token that's supposed okay. to be worth one dollar and that uh if so you know if there are too many of these tokens uh and they're reducing the value of it you can burn them and redeem them and if there aren't enough then it will print them incentivizing people to burn the other ones that they're holding right um what happened with terra is that they had this thing called anchor Anchor was the only reason to use Terra. It's the only reason anyone had Terra because you put, they said, hey, look, you give me $100 and I will give you $120 at the end of the year. Hmm. You give me hmm. $500, <laughs> you know, and I'll give you $600, right? Hmm. And so... Sounds too good to be true. Yeah, because it was. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so people were using this protocol to take out loans or to, or to put their assets in there. Oh, no. To, yeah, you know, and so there were tens of billions of dollars here and then the um the underlying token depegged right it deviated significantly from the one-to-one -one backing and so it wasn't worth one dollar 
And then once it became to uh, drift away from $1, people got worried that the whole thing would collapse. So some people took out their money and started withdrawing and selling it, flooding the market with the token, suppressing its value, right? So now the market gets flooded with the the, the coins that are supposed to be in tightly controlled algorithmic did, regu- did they act? Did they accidentally supply. hyperinflate themselves? Yeah, I mean, essentially, right? They caused a run. They just caused a run, a bank run on their coin, right? Mm. And, mm. you know, that's... Uh, looking, stepping back, it shouldn't be a surprise that, of course, right. a, a bank run happened, right? Because it's not a real asset. And so as soon as people start to doubt that they're actually going to be able to redeem their thing for one, for a real a dollar, or if they realize that it's overvalued and they can get free money out of it, right? Then they're just going to have a run on it. So they basically managed to create a hybrid of the 1929 financial crisis by using mm-hmm. this massive bank run mm-hmm. and then also hyperinflation with like the the uh insanity of the modern financial system with like the flash crash of 2011 they managed to both bank run and flash crash right yeah i mean like it's like, like it's also important to remember here right that a lot of you know we've seen like you're right that's that they were able to create multiple financial crises right but we've but we've also seen like when they lost the peg i mean it's analogous to previous banking crises that have happened in the united states analogous to the collapse of uh money market funds that mm-hmm. happened during 2008 where people thought that they weren't going to get they thought that there weren't enough assets to really back the value of the funds and so they pulled out even though they were fine right they were fine it was a little different but in in this situation right all that's holding up Terra, all that's holding, uh, you know, Luna, which are the names of the two coins at the core of the system, is this algorithm, right? The algorithm is basically like if Terra goes above $1, you make more Terra and you mm-hmm. burn a dollar's worth of Luna, right? And if it goes below a dollar, then you burn UST, you burn the Terra for, and you create more Luna, right? But again, like... Sure, you know, yeah, you. sure. Right. No, <laughs> that's that's I think, like I said, trust that instinct, because then that that if you hear that, you should ask the next question. Why are these things worth anything? Yeah, and exactly. the answer is they're not. The only value that these things had was if you put money in that anchor protocol and they paid you to keep money in there because mm-hmm. they were promising 20 percent on deposits, but only if you used their coins. It, so- right? it sounds like a lot of these cryptocurrency systems like ecosystems like Terra and other ones, especially particularly stable coins like Terra, they're basically recreating banking. But but the difference is like they basically create a like could you imagine if your bank, like Bank of America or whatever you use, like Citibank, like JP Morgan Chase, but like if there was like an internal market inside the bank, that just sounds like a disaster. <laughs> yeah. I mean and this is kind of like this giving us to what Celsius is, right? Celsius is a bank. Celsius. Oh, <laughs> so the mo- the most recent collapse or threat, I mean, it might collapse. We don't know yet. I'm sure it will. Is this thing called Celsius Network? It is a it is a major lending platform. It says it does a few things. One, it lets you deposit any crypto, and then you get interest on that crypto, hmm. and it can get up to eighteen percent on the crypto that you deposit. Now, well, how does we heard it pay- this before? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> How does it pay for the for the high yield? Um, it takes your crypto and it invests it. 
Sometimes it loans it to other people and charges mm -hmm. them high rates so that they can trade it and they have to pay it back and offer up collateral, which sometimes if they can't pay the loan, then it takes the collateral. Okay. And when you, when you offer up a loan in crypto, you also have to remember that crypto loans have really high rates. So you're often, you're often putting up more than you actually are borrowing for the crypto loan, right? Why? Oh, but, but I thought this was supposed to be different from traditional banking. Right. And predatory <laughs> lending. I thought I thought <laughs> So so you have a you have a financial system that's over collateralized. A lot of loans are over collateralized, right? You have a financial system where the value doesn't really come out of anything other than I said that the money is worth this. I say my asset is worth this and I pay you in that asset. And I pay you to hold the asset. Mm. Right. Um and I create all these excuses for you to use the asset and play in my playpen or play in my sandbox, right? Just, and, you just hold this um, bag yeah, of things that... Yeah, I'll be right back. back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so Celsius you loaned out its, the, the money, the crypto that you deposited uh, and got high yields on uh, on fees that would charge these uh, traders and sometimes they're collateral if they fucked up the loan. And also it invested, right? It, invest, it invested, I want to say, uh, half a billion dollars What in Anchor um oh my god which is the protocol that <laughs> collapsed when when <laughs> when luna blew up <laughs> so you're so you're telling me you're telling me that this like you know uh uh uh, uh celsius it's like a basically acts like a post uh a, you know repeal of glass steagall bank like in the financial institutions yeah. and just like what happened then that they really recreated the financial crisis yeah but more contained this time a little trial run. It's a taste, you know? <laughs> I know, dude. It's insane. It's insane. Only for, like three states. Uh, how did this happen? I just want to know, like, how did this happen? Like, did not, did not think, like, oh, because this happened in people's lifetimes. Like, the reason Bitcoin exists is like Bitcoin was created in the wake of the financial crisis. No, you're right. Like, look, they're getting away with it. A lot of times mm -hmm. they just get away with it. You know, like right. Celsius, there are three states where they where they said like Celsius, they were like, dude, the interest accounts where you're paying people up to 18%, that's a security. That's an unregulated security. You can't sell that to people. And if you do, we'll sue you. And they sued them. And so they, so they announced in April, okay, uh, we're not going to let everybody do that anymore. Uh, specifically, the people in those states where you're about to get sued. <laughs> don't 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 worry about it. Just the three states. Yeah, right, there's the just three states like, and, a few, and a lot of investors in the U.S. We're just we're just trying to abide by the law. Okay, mm -hmm. um, but uh, freedom has limits. Yeah, freedom has limits. So I mean, like Celsius then started to for weeks, for weeks and weeks and weeks, people have been asking Celsius, "Do you have liquidity?" Right, because Celsius. Last year in the peak had $26 billion worth of assets under management. Um, and now it had, in May, it had only $12 billion. Um, and then it said that it loaned out, it had about $8 billion in loans with clients. Okay. Um, and then there were debates online where people were wondering, like, what would happen in scenarios if there was a liquidity, a liquidity crunch? Like, what would happen if, mm. you know, you needed to freeze the withdrawals and the founder got mad and there was a further <laughs> route on mm. the on the on the uh, you on got the mad for asking legitimate questions. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the ecosystem was already dying or on the slump. Right. In the past, like few months, just the lost 
about 60% of its value. And since November, it's lost 97, 98%. Oh my God. The core token. So 96% loss. Yeah, it's bad. Um, so yeah, so that's the context in that like Celsius was kind of already like teetering because people didn't think that it had the liquidity to pay out these high yield promises on deposits. And then um, maybe two days ago, uh, the founder got in an argument with like this big crypto investor okay. and said, can you tell me one person? Do you even know one person who has ever had the withdrawals frozen on Celsius? And what did Celsius do two days later? It froze all <laughs> withdrawals, swaps and transfers on their platform. Listen, listen. No, no, that's never happened before. <laughs> Don't ask questions like that. Right. No, I remember seeing people like talking about this today being like, these are like, like, these are secured, right? These are, like, like me, my, my no. deposits in them are secured, right? Like they were like, like it's like, um, no, no. Why would they be? Yeah, this is an unregulated bank. They don't have FDIC coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we kind of went over like a bunch of like you know regarding the crash, you know, you know to kind of like you know pivot towards like the little bit kind of into wrapping up a bit, but to kind of. One of your recent articles, Ed, mm-hmm. you say that despite being, quote, six months deep into a crypto crash that has wiped out 1.6 trillion, or I guess now 2 trillion of the asset classes market capitalization, you claim we have learned absolutely nothing. Why? Why do you say that? I think that everyone who's suffering knows what they already know, which is that, you know, uh, if you're weak, you suffer what you must. And if you're strong, you suffer what you want or you will, you know, like, wow, you don't, if you don't, you know, if you don't have to, you don't face the consequences. And if you mm-hmm. have to, then you face them and poor people and people who had money and needed money thought that this would be different, but it's like every other thing that's offered as a get rich quick opportunity or part of the future without actually changing society without changing civilization and the structure of it you can't there's no shortcuts to this stuff right Mm -hmm. um you can't we cannot change the world by investing in digital money you know (laughs) like i don't want to sound like a boomer on it but like i mean it boils down to a lot of these projects are not real they're vaporware right they are playing on people's fears they're preying on people's desperation and they're preying on people's poverty uh they're preying on their exclusion from the regular system and the discrimination they faced and the exploitation they faced elsewhere and they're saying this will be different and it and the people who are behind it people who are giving the money over to these things saying it will be different will steal their lunch before they can blink right yeah that's what i hate the most i think go, go for it no, I was thinking we were, I mean, we were talking about, I think one of the themes of like this episode, one of the constant things we've talked about is, you know, not just like the, the reproduction of social relations under capitalism, but that any, any sort of venture or any sort of like new shiny thing, whether it's like, you know, um, you know, all of these things, crypto, the metaphors, uh, web three, web five, NFTs, um, all of this aided by technology. I think that like, we can be like suspicious right about any of these things that originate under a capitalist mode of production because Mm -hmm. as you said ed like who is it going to serve and who is it going to be for right as we've talked about it's never for you know for people who i mean are not thinking about spending 
you know, uh, uh, six digits, you know, or more on a fucking picture of an ape, you know, like none of that, like trickles down to like people's material reality and well-being. It's a, as I said, it's a pyramid system of patronage, right? Like a pyramid scheme of patronage. Aaron, you're saying my slurp juice doesn't actually help me? No. N- unfortunately not. <laughs> unfortunately not, Jorge, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's like, you know, like y'all have been hitting it on the head. Uh, crypto is, I think, a revolutionary project in that it's allowed these elites a, ha- a really good hammer to kind of force and shock populations in this society into changing in ways that are more adaptable for extraction mm-hmm. and exploitation. That And that's like, they're getting it, right? The people who are, the, the trillions of dollars that have been lost, most of that is other people's money, you know? Um, that is not an insignificant sum to have disappeared. And part, and yeah, I know it's like, you know, it's speculative value. It wasn't worth $3 trillion to begin with. But there is value in there that was lost in the path to speculating. Right. That yeah, they've mm-hmm. gotten back for people that lost their mortgages. They've, they've lost their homes. They've lost their savings. They've lost money they should not have put up and gambled, but did because they were desperate. And, um, you know, people who run the venture capital firms that, play around with other people's money to find the next hot crypto thing. Uh, they're not really bothered. You know, they're fine because they bought in at some project when it was worth a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a penny for them contractually. And even if it goes to one penny, they'll sell and they'll make good money, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think it, you know, reminds me of like that Marx quote from the 18th Brumaire. It's like, I, I, I'm kind of thinking about it, you know, it's very, it's a, it's overused, I think, but I think here and it's a little bit apt in a sense that like the financial crisis, like, and in the crypto crash, it's like they're pretty similar in a sense. Like, you know, first it's a tragedy, but then it's farce because while they're both tragic, in the sec in the second example with like crypto, it's just so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, like you know, like um, I think this might be related to a question that you had, Jorge. Um, but um, you know the people that have gotten conned into it mm. you know it's like fun in games like when these people are like you know all my apes are gone and shit but you know when people are like i've seen on reddit sub um subreddits when people are pushed to suicide you know when people yeah. are pushed to like bodily harm i mean like it's just not it's not funny right i mean it's it's funny to think of a guy spending like you know his savings on a picture of a fucking ape right. but this is and maybe this is sort of like a question that you already answered but one aspect of it is like you know we have celebrities politicians like elites you know like the people in society that people look up to as role models yeah. for whatever heroes reason, in their mind yeah yeah are pushing this shit like spike, you know what I'm lee. spike lee i mean fucking larry david as we said earlier i mean even like you know on the some sort of seemingly left you have someone like eric andre but i mean they're aiding and pushing this thing you know to sweep pu- people up into it but everyday regular well i don't want to use everyday people like loosely because i feel like that's like a loose term but people who do not have capital to fall back on as you were saying ed um they're fucking screwed you know yeah, yeah and i think an additional part of that question is like should we be like you know Aaron was saying it's like should we be worried about these people who are like Im- misrated but in a certain sense and you we touched on it a little bit before. It's like, should we be worried about them being kind of enticed into fascism? Because like, 
Hmm. We have to remember that fascism, as in terms of it, how it appeared, does also have a critique and criticism of capitalism, and does. does kind of have like a veneer of anti-capitalist ethos. But rather than point, you know, to the root of the problem of say, you know, classes and class struggle, it what they do in terms of like, you know, they reify them in terms of like races and nations and groups of people. But the people they point to in terms of the problems in the economy are these quote unquote bankers and quote financiers of the problem, which we know is historically anti-Semitic. But, you know, really what it is, it's like a section of the ruling class and merely an outgrowth of capitalism. Uh, so it's like, is this a real worry that like some people who, you know, even if they're not like, say, the like these like, small business owner types like hmm. should we be worried about those people being funneled into this fascist project because they got con from because of crypto you know I, I do think so i think that um i think that some people may think that the crash will pull people out of the community but i do worry that it will double them down because the community kind of inoculates you against mm -hmm. criticism from outside of it and tells you that these people are spreading fear and, and doubt and uncertainty um, that these people I mean, that's right-wing to... politics. Sorry to interrupt that, but that's reactionary politics, like, yeah. writ large. That's the way it kind of fortifies itself, right? Yeah. No, exactly. And so that's why it's like, it may not appear that way because it seems to be solely economic. It's solely driven by people who are trying to make and make make money, right, mm. for one reason or another. But, you know, the politics of this place, the groups that dominate it, the networks that already exist, they pull people into these projects they pull people into these communities that are you know, pretty racist uh, a lot of them are dominated by separatists or nationalists or supremacists uh, a lot of them uh, feed into libertarian politics or flirt with libertarian politics that are also informed structured or written by or developed or pushed by some of the further right-wing elements of this movement um you know it is it can it's all it's concerning i think that you know, as this gets worse, as more money is lost, these people will burrow in further because they will be told, you know, it sucks. It's deeply hurtful and humiliating even, I'm sure, to lose all that money. Hmm. But it'd be even more so to realize that you did it because a bunch of people took advantage of you and not because you're building the future and not because right. you're part of something special in this community. And a lot of people are lured, lured, you know, successfully into thinking that it is part of this, this speculative community that they're in is dynamic and it's powerful and it's waiting to be born and they have to just help do the right. work. And sometimes the work requires them or pulls them into directions that are reactionary, right? Right. But see, like, you know what? That's that's that that opportunity, right, of being not just disappointed, but humiliated and impoverished, right? Um, I think that that's like an opportunity for the left to kind of explore, right? That like that moment of real recognition of contradictions, right? I mean, that's the job of like, you know, like the left, right? like the socialist left is to seize on these moments of contradiction to lift class up uh, to and lift or increase class consciousness. And that's why like, you know, sometimes, all right, when you, when you make fun of these motherfuckers online, it doesn't matter, right? That's online. It's not the real world, but at the same time, right? A lot of this community is online and just generally right. speaking, kind of mocking these people and shutting them out at a time when, they might have an inkling, a gleaning, right, of the contradictions, right, of capitalism, of the system. 
maybe like we should be a little bit more uh, 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 forgiving of uh, some of the crypto bros, right? I mean, obviously, as you said, as we talked about, it is a very reactionary uh, uh, politics. It's undergirded by reactionary instincts. But at mm-hmm. the same time, like the same way that I'm, a, I love the future, right? Like as a, as a as a communist, as someone who is forward thinking, I still love the, uh, some of the images and visions of the future that are perpetuated by capitalism, right? Yeah. It's very I, alluring, you know. So it's like we all got to be a little bit kinder, I guess, not to just obviously each other, but not shame and try to further embarrass people who really thought they were hitching a ride to like you know, like uh, prosperity, you know? Yeah, and this is why we're pleased to announce that we're here with the creation of ELC coin. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah, I gave you the alley-oop, bro. Threw it to you, you dug that shit right in. Let's go. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But uh, I guess like, um, I guess the last thing we want to ask is where do you, so... Like, again, we've talked about, like, you know, what, what all this is. And you've explained it to me like I'm a five-year-old. but um, And I have a better understanding, although I also don't. But um, I still <laughs> got this icky feeling, like, in my gut, Ed. You know, like, I feel like this is not over. Um, where do you see crypto ending, though, right? Or where do you see it? Where, you, where do you see it heading? Where do you see it ending? Is it going to end? What is the future of this entire thing? Because as we were saying, like, that instinct mm-hmm. that you have... You know, that kind of nausea and disgust. I don't see this going away anytime soon. Yeah, I don't think it'll go away anytime soon. There's simply too much money involved for these people to give up, right? Hmm. Question is, what happens to get it to the end? And what it and what is the end? And you know, that could be a variety of things. There could be an outright market crash. And crypto markets could die off and then it would take a while and then we'd see some new version, reconstituted version, group of players for crypto. Um, there could be normalization and integration into a regular regulatory regime where governments around the world could open the, offer their own crypto, offer their own uh, Miami. digital currencies. Like Miami. Miami. Yeah, yeah. So Miami and New York have this thing called CityCoin, uh, which is basically your city offers a crypto token. Um, well, New York is trying to do it. Uh, and Miami has lost the... I want to say almost 90% of all the values you watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every time you say that these motherfuckers lost money, I know I just talked about... Okay, I'm talking about not being forgiving people different. to the, the people. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. like not, uh, it's not yeah, everyday people. It's like yeah. uh, an effort by the city in a, in a private project and some financiers to create something that might generate revenue for people. And like some people pay for it. Some people use their computers what if to help we make, generate what, what if we have a town yeah. that the people who run it is a company yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you have and to pay in currency that's in, distributed by that company nothing and else. the most powerful in the town. people in the company in the are the richest people yeah exactly <laughs> sounds like a company town we should try this. <laughs> no, no, no 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 company town well that sounds like no, we'll call script. it a company no, no, town no. that's what no. we'll call it a it's company. not script it's not script it's not crimp it's like yeah it's <laughs> yeah um you know so but there are also other options like the when the united states and and britain are looking at central bank digital currencies which are basically like state-backed cryptocurrency uh, tokens Murcoin, um, huh a Murcoin. yeah america coin america <laughs> <laughs> i love that <laughs> um but it's not MAGA coin. MAGA coin. Oh, Jesus God. They Christ, change the yo. name every four years. 
There was one that was called Let's Go Brandon Coyne. Brandon Coyne? Yeah, <laughs> went down to 99% our, uh, now. Let's go Brandon Coyne, the official coin in the United States. You know, just go. Fuck I, just, I just thought darkly. I was like, rich. I just got a really dark thought, Bernie Coyne. Because, I oh, mean, no. like, ultimately, it's not going to fucking matter who's in control of this shit. I mean, Ed, one thing I wanted to ask you, um, I should have asked this earlier. I saw the that. One per- the top 1% <laughs> of all the financial system. And the top 1% of wallets. <laughs> this is why. Oh, Mapes. I'm here to oh. announce that we're going to have Bernie Coin. The revolution but, is now. <laughs> I wanted to ask, though, I guess before, before we really wrap up. Um, not that these two people, uh, uh, Kirsten uh, Gillibrand, and I forget the other the other woman, but not that these people are anything like Bernie at all. But um, they are politicians. They are people who I think uh, you would, if you're like not as diseased as we are in terms of our political um, um, tendencies or just like the attention that we pay to this shit. But I think most people would think, oh yeah, these people are like progressive, cool people that care about me. Maybe, maybe not. But um. Apparently, there was legislation um, that passed Congress um, or the Senate. Maybe you can correct me and clarify. But uh, it was supposed to be a regulatory piece of regulatory legislation um, um, against this crypto shit. But uh, crypto bros, enthusiasts, um, crypto barons were cheering it on, right? So do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that was the one that was just basically a bunch of regulations that were written by lobbyists. I mean, like that stuff is Mm. it was bipartisan. And that they both decided to do what they always do, which is get out of the way and let the lobbyists and corporations decide yes. what they well, should do. Well, bipartisanship is good, right? That means America's coming together for, yeah. you know, for the people who rule. The reason right? why I mean, everything sucks right now is because our two parties don't work together. It, it, clearly, clearly. Yeah. But, but, but what was, what were, I guess in a nutshell, what were the crypto bros so happy about um, with this, quote, regulatory legislation? Like, what did it do or not do? I mean, the goal here is just to try to create a framework for not punishing people for offering unregulated securities, but also offering to protect them if the project goes bunk. And that they're, uh, they're, they're subsidizing the losses of the people who own it, but not for the people who, who invest in it. Yeah, it so sounds like 2008. Yeah, trying to do that, trying to set up infrastructure so that more people can get onboarded and adopted by it, trying to ensure that the government won't intervene in certain areas of it, try to ensure, try to formalize definitions to make sure that um, the government won't try to penalize people for offering this or that product. I mean, these are some of the things that they want and have been pursuing for a long time. I think, like you know, I think it's good that governments are, you know, are protecting and incentivizing innovation because I think mm-hmm. this is what's going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Clearly. exactly. Listen, Clearly, capitalism is innovation. They are onto something here. They are trying to figure out an old way to revive, a new way to revive the old regime, and I think they're getting really close. And so we should support them. You know, we should support them. <laughs> so, so you're telling me, you're telling me Ed, that the future looks like um living in a share crop i'm living in a wall city (laughs) yes i'm living in a wall city uh maybe a company town of amazons or whatnot and i pay for everything in crypto and um really amazon coin amazon coin in my real life has been um sort of uh 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 shifted into this online world because yeah. the real world is too fucking horrible. Yeah, wow. you just go into your pod. You just exactly. go to the pod, but you have you have the metaverse. You have the metaverse. But, but Why also, do you need anything else if you have your pod in the metaverse? But also, guess what? You have the opportunity to get out of your wall city in the metaverse while waiting for Elon Musk to ship you to an asteroid mine. You know what I'm saying? So you have that to look forward. <laughs> you have that to look forward to as well, right? No, not the asteroid mine. <laughs> Maybe it could be fun. You could build character there. Maybe pay off your debt to Elon Musk. It could be like the expanse. Dollar. 
Right. Your million which is Elon owned coin. by Amazon, which is like published by Amazon now. <laughs> but yeah. Um I guess uh Ed, Ed I don't I don't have any more questions. So you kinda helped me understand this um a little more and a little less. And the little less part makes me feel even more vindicated and railing at anyone that tries to sing the praises of crypto because um it's exactly what I thought it was. So I'm um, happy that I was able to help a little bit, you know. I think it is uh the less we can understand about it and the more we can push it out of our minds the better yeah yeah yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. like i think i think you did you know a good way the way you've described it Ed, i think it's very very good in terms of like more than just like the reason why we're so normalized to finance but when we see things like crypto i think because it's so new we're so like uniquely like disgusted by it yeah. and it's because it's just really just like this new manifestation of finance it's yeah. like, de- like you said it's demonic no well, yeah you know yeah. that's why it's like i hate this stuff but i am also like very fascinated by it i can't you know i hate crypto but look at me i'm writing about it every single fucking day because i um i'm interested in trying to understand it and i kind of like playing in the in the mud with pigs and demons <laughs> so <laughs> you know something wrong with me of you're course. a witcher yeah, I'm a witcher, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the crypto, you're the crypto whisperer, man. So, yeah, every uh, time I go on an interview with a crypto guy, I just go. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> so, so, and uh, I guess, I guess the to close out. Where, where can people find you? Where can people find your, uh, your uh, very, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, perspicious, I guess. Uh, musings, not even musings, analysis on crypto. Where can people find you at to read your work? I, uh, I write advice you can find me at motherboard.vice.com and i'm on twitter at big black jacobin where i spend most of my time shit posting and sometimes saying serious things about tech yeah oh, yeah, yeah. yeah you also have a podcast right oh yeah i also yes. have a podcast <laughs> <laughs> like all right ed we'll let you out of here bye <laughs> you even get to plug the podcast. the podcast is uh this machine kills it's with jathan sadowski and jeremy um Jeremy Braun, um, he is our producer, and the two of them and me uh, work on a little podcast where we break down the uh, political economy of uh, of tech. Basically, why do we have the tech that we have, and why does it look the way that it does? Why does it act the way that it does, and can it be changed? Yeah, and um, I, I when I first found that uh, found your podcast, man, I was like so obsessed with it that I listened to like. Um, I went back the backlog and listened like a lot of episodes in one day. And then I was fortunate enough to be a guest on it too, um, a while back. So everybody, uh, please, please listen to, um, uh, this machine kills because it's, I mean, like there are, there are podcasts that try to, uh, sort of, uh, give the lay of the land of our tech dystopia, you know what I mean? But not necessarily from a left perspective, right? There are some, there's some commentary and podcasts that, uh, try to be critical, but it almost just sounds like, well, only if this was managed by better people or only if it followed the initial princip- principles on which it was founded. But you guys understand that, like, uh, no, this is all fucking bullshit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I yeah. appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Those are kind words. And it's been yeah. great having you on. We'll get you on to someday. Sh- or we will Hell yeah. get you on. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, until then, do the reading. Do the reading, and um, <laughs> yeah, don't, 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 don't. If if it smells like bullshit, it's probably bullshit. All right, That's just right. remember that. Yeah. All right, y'all. Right. Adios. Bye. Bye.